When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi folks, Tino here with the Countdown to Kickoff show as Celtic is set to face Dundee on Wednesday night at Celtic Park. Joe, we'll be hoping for far more of the, the second half type performance that we've seen against Motherwell than the first half. How are you looking forward to this one? I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, uh, the second half was very encouraging. Um, Carter coming on makes a massive difference and you can just tell straight away how much composure he has. Just such a camera influence in the game and we're actually creating more when he came on as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm optimistic that this is the turning point. I know I might have said it before, but I'm optimistic this is the real turning point for Carter Vickers coming back. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Joe, the glass is half full. It's the only way to be. You've got to look forward and, and take these positives. It's been that kind of season, though, hasn't it? There's been so many ups and downs and all stones. You know, Celtic have had some big performances, beating Rangers twice, going toe-to-toe with Atletico at Celtic Park, things like that. But there's also been a, you know, a number of disappointments there and, and cheap points dropped in the league. What we really need to find now with this, what is it, 11 games left? Um, is a real consistency and the players should take encouragement from just what they've done over that second 45 at Fur Park. Yeah, they definitely should. Um, and, and as I say, I'll, I'll, I'll mention them again later on, but with Carter Vickers coming back, I mean, I'm thinking the games that we have dropped points this season in the, uh, domestically, where I think Kilmarnock would have done with Carter Vickers. I think it was Nat Phillips and Liam Scales, maybe right in saying Kilmarnock away. Um, likewise, the League Cup game, likewise with Aberdeen away, that he has, he has a massive difference to this team. Um, and uh, we are required, uh, you know, we uh, has been a season for ups and downs. Um, we haven't been consistent. We haven't, we have picked up big results and sort of scraped wins when, you know, maybe it was sort of looking past us at that point. Um, so, yeah, it's been one of those seasons, ups and downs. Now it's just about winning every game. I don't really care how we do it. Just win at all costs and then yeah. see what happens. If you want to speak to someone about the difference Cameron Carter-Vickers makes to Celtic, speak to Theo Bear, who had a really enjoyable first half from his point of view. And what was it, an hour or so when CCV came in? And that was just the end of that guy's journey, or the end of his afternoon, should I say. Um, he's obviously not a player who's going to score or assist many, you know, at all over his time at Celtic. But what he does do is just bring a real calmness to the to the back line. And I think he inspires those in front of him. And it's a it's a huge difference. Um the guy who made a lot of the headlines was Adam Ida. He obviously came in at half time, Joe for Kyogo. 
we've got an ongoing situation this season with Kyogo. He's he's not at his brilliant best, despite flashes of of genius. You know, his big goals against Rangers and some others. But he's definitely off the boil. You know, it wasn't really working for him first half against Murrow. There's a combination, I think, of his ongoing shoulder issue and, you know, a bit of a lack of form as to why he came off at half time. But Adam Ida, 22 years of age, came on and he showed he's the man when the chips are down. I've, I've spoken about the fact that Celtic don't have enough scruff of the neck type guys at this moment in time. Guys that are going to really pull together the teammates and say, listen, this is what's required. I would say Joe Hart's that guy. Carla McGregor can be that guy. Cameron Carter-Vickers, absolutely. Alistair Johnson, Greg Taylor. And it does us no harm to have a guy at the top end of the pitch in the shape of a young man, as I say, 22-year-old Adam Eder, pulling things you know, in the right direction. What do you think of the impact he's had since he's arrived in January? Um, I think it was it was obviously, I mean, it's easy to say that when he scored two goals, but I think today was more noticeable. Um, I mean, the game against Hibs, I don't think we're creating a lot in general. I know he scored, he scored twice, scored two penalties, but it didn't really we weren't creating a lot as a team. So I don't think, really think he'd, he'd a great deal of chances other than those two penalties. However, he was doing a lot more on Sunday. It, was his, it wasn't just his presence up front in terms of as a goal threat. It was more his presence in terms of he's holding the ball up and he's bringing other guys in the play. Which I don't think there's ever a right or wrong answer because Andrew didn't play like that. Andrew played behind the shoulder. We played a lot more at a greater speed, maybe not as much of a care of keeping the ball as much as maybe a Brendan Rodgers type of team. Um, but Brendan Rodgers has been successful whether it's been here or elsewhere where a striker that plays with the back to goal. Um, we get the best out of... Brendan Rodgers get the best out of his Celtic teams when he did Dembele up front. And Dembele had his back to goal. It wasn't playing in, in behind the shoulder. It did when he needed to, don't get me wrong, but that was his game. And you, you look across his Leicester, his Leicester team with Jamie Vardy, Jamie Vardy did a turn of pace, but ultimately Jamie Vardy played his back to goal. As did Suarez, as did, you know, laterally at Liverpool, they signed Ricky Lambert and Balotelli, albeit never worked, but for that reason. So I think it's coming quite apparent that he does prefer that kind of striker. Um, I know Kyogo is obviously on his day absolutely incredible and he's such a good player, finisher, all-rounded striker, but... It seems as if he's found us a, a, a he's right mould a striker in Adamida. And I think given Kyogo has struggled a bit in the system that Rogers wanted to play, I mean, he's a welcome addition. And I mean, he's for me, it's a no-brainer to start him on Wednesday, but you know, longer term, he might be first choice. You never know. He certainly seems to fit what we're trying to do at this moment in time, and I think we all Side a wee bit when we realised we were signing a guy from Norwich who couldn't get a game down there and was struggling to kickstart his career. I think we're all guilty of that. I know I certainly am. But you've got to judge the guy purely on what he does in a Celtic shot. And he's had some moments where he could have done better, but he's also shown real character to hit a last minute penalty against Hibs. And not alone in that second half at Motherwell, but he's one of the key figures that's dragged Celtic right back into the game and then some. I was speaking to a good mate of mine, David Gregg, just last night. And he was saying what he felt was a big impact against Motherwell was Celtic's willingness in that second half to cross early. Greg Taylor's cross for the first goal being the the epitome of that. It was such a good goal, Joe. I don't know how far out Greg Taylor is at the time. 35 yards is, you know, he's relatively deep. But it shows you don't necessarily need to get to the byline. You know, we, we, we've spoken about it. We've said, oh, what's happened to strikers and, uh, sorry, wingers and fullbacks getting to the byline? We're not doing that anymore. And it's, you know, it's hampering Kyogo's ability to get to get goals. But actually, there's a lot to be said for crossing it early as well, because what it does, 
is it catches defenders off guard. They're not ready for it. They're not set. If you get to the byline, defenders know exactly what's coming. They can get themselves positioned and they can clear the danger. And if you get guys like Mugabe and Callum Butcher and others at Motherwell, that would suit them fine. Uh, but Greg Taylor saw the opportunity to cross early. Brilliant finish by Ida. Alistair Johnson, likewise, for the second goal. <clears throat> Obviously, it's a late goal by Ida and it's on the deck this time. But Johnson, he basically just turns and flashes it across goal. He doesn't turn, look up, check who's making the moves. He doesn't even look, because the goals don't move, Joe. Everyone knows that. And he's just put it in a dangerous area and it's got as the goal. And you could even argue that for the third goal, Yang's just put it across first time and Louis Palmer's done what all good wingers should be doing arriving late at the back the back post. So listen, that's Wednesday. Uh, sorry, that's Sunday. We need to look on to Wednesday now. So lots of good stuff setting to to encourage the players. But there's going to be some calls now for Brendan Rodgers in terms of what that starting 11 look, look, looks like. We've seen the news, or heard the news last night, Joe, that Mike Mavrocki has picked up another injury. I don't know if Liam Skills is up there spiking folks' tea. I'm not sure what's going on with the centre-halves, but there's guys dropping all over the place. And it's unfortunate that Navrocki gets what is a relatively rare start of the weekend. And he done okay. I know he came off for Carter Vickers. Um, but he'll be frustrated at picking up what seems to be another niggle of sorts. I would argue then that the centre-half pairing is going to be Liam Scales and Carter Vickers again. But what do you think the back four in general will be, Joe? I think the team that finished the game on Sunday has to be back four. Um, I mean, you mentioned Greg Taylor and Alistair Johnson's influence. I mean, again, easy to say because they've assist assisted two goals. But you're right that they, are, they were hitting the ball in the box. They weren't messing about around the 18-yard box. And a team like Motherwell generally will defend their six-yard line, really. I get guys like, as you say, Callum Butcher, you know, Paul McGinn, Davis uh, Mugabe, guys like that will defend their six-yard line. And passing around the 18-yard box and sort of looking for an opening often suits them down to the ground, really. Um, but yeah, I think it will be the same back four. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. I would love that to be the back four from now until the end of the season. And I, and I mean, play every game. Um, something that we've not really had this season is a bit of consistency in our back four. And we've not had any consistency. Not, they've not had any games for whatever reason. Um, so I think that needs to be a back four. Absolute no-brainer. You might have heard the stat, Joe. We, we read it out last night on the, the weekly show. <clears throat> it came from at Celtic FC Trivia on Twitter. And he pointed out that of Celtic's 36 games this season, there's been 30 different lineups. Um, inconsistency has been the, the the word of the season in terms of how that's gone. And, and there, there will always be different lineups as managers tweak their system, bring guys in in January, bring guys back in the fold from injury and whatever else. But 30 certainly feels like a lot. And I think it's, you know, it's it goes hand in hand with those inconsistent lineups. You're going to get some shaky results and performances. He's got a call to make, Joe, in the midfield. Uh, Tomoki Iwata got a fairly rare start uh, on Sunday. And I thought he was really good. Despite how poor Celtic were in the first half, I thought he was nice and tidy. He was keeping it short, he was keeping it simple, and he was mopping up anything that kind of broke in the midfield. He then goes off after about 77 minutes to a chorus of boos, not because he was playing poorly, but I think because the fans believed that he was doing well and he should have stayed on the park. Managers will live and die by these decisions. Brendan Rodgers has obviously sought to change it up because at that point you're one each in the game, a game you need to win. Although Brendan Rodgers said a draw wouldn't have been a disaster. I think it would have been, Joe. Um, so he's made that call. He's brought in Paolo Bernardo, who's certainly a more attack-minded player. I don't think Bernardo was great. The various other subs had a huge impact. Either uh, Carter Vickers, definitely Yang, and to an extent, Louis Palmer, who obviously got the, the last goal. But I'm not sure if Paolo Bernardo coming on for 
Awata was the catalyst for that win. You could certainly argue that Awata's not played a lot of football, so 77 minutes is possibly more than enough. But what did you think of that change at the time? And what do you think he'll start with tomorrow? We well, took the words out of my mouth. I thought, I mean, as much as you know, the chips were down or drawn one each and we were looking to get a win, I understand the reason behind it because Bernardo's a more attack-minded player. But Alata hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, Alata's last start, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, would have been probably Kamarnock away, I think was his last start. So Maybe, maybe Feyenoord. Did he go off injured against Feyenoord? Possibly. Well, either way, it's been it's been more than a month, two yeah. months since he's lasted a start. So, I mean, just as somebody, somebody commented there, like, it might have been absolutely knackered at that point. And would you rather have a fully fat Paulo Bernardo for the last 20 minutes or a Tomoki Awata, maybe 20 or 30%? You don't know. Right? I, I, think, I think if that is the case, then it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I thought Awata played well. On Saturday and Sunday, albeit that they weren't playing very much, uh, and they were, albeit that the Celtic weren't playing very well at the t- time. Sorry, I thought Awata kept it simple, and ultimately, I say he's limited, but he's very much that as his game. He's not a he's yeah. not a player that's going to take three or four guys on. He's not a Matt O'Reilly, Cal McGregor, Paul Bernardo to an extent that are going to have some sort of an attacking influence. I mean, he's very he, he does what he does, and he does it very well. Um, so I think. Definitely should be starting Wednesday night because ultimately helped set the tone uh, in the second half. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be starting. Yeah, you, you could say he's limited, or you could just say that he's good at what he's good at, and what that is is keeping the game simple. I think was he J League Player of the Year when we signed him. I think he's a, he's such a powerful guy. He's a real physical specimen, a real athlete, and I think he's perfect for just doing that. Uh, protective role, you know, at, at the base of the midfield. And what it does do, you know, which which we all can see, is that it then unlocks Callum McGregor. It allows him to go and play in a more advanced position. And Brendan Rodgers conceded that pre-match, I think, on Sunday. That, that was something that, you know, they've been looking to do and we can see the advantage of doing so. And I think even though Callum McGregor and Matt O'Reilly, they're both, by their own high standards, off form at this moment in time, I'd be leaning towards the, the same three starting as, as you've suggested as well, Joe. So it's Tomoki Iwata, Matt O'Reilly and Callum McGregor. Is that what you'd be in agreement with? Or is there any case for Bernardo, Thiago Home to a much lesser extent or anybody else? Nah, that needs to be a midfield three. Um, and it's the only reason partly being as well is because Hattie's still injured. Um, but I think Iwata is definitely a good alternative for now. So it has to be that three for me. Yeah, got a very interesting decision to make. When I uh, sorry, when Hatati comes back from injury, and hopefully that's not too far away. Hopefully it's you know a small matter of weeks, couple of weeks maybe. Um, following his Asian Cup injury, if he's then back in the fold and Awata's continuing to do well in the six, something has to give between McGregor, O'Reilly, and Hatati, and that's a huge call for the manager. Uh, but we'll get there, Joe. I'm looking too far ahead of myself. Let's just stick with Wednesday for now. Uh, up top again, real decisions to be made. Um, I would definitely be going for Adamida. He'll be full of confidence and. Confidence and form and momentum are huge in football. And for that reason alone, I would say he he gets a nod at this time over Kyogo. But what about the wide areas, Joe? There's there's a real um, lack of form across Celtic's various wingers. I think we've got six wingers available at this moment in time. We don't see James Forrest, unfortunately. He's fallen right out of the picture. Rocco Vata doesn't seem to be featuring, you know, even though he was at the turn of the year. So it's Maeda, it's Palma, it's Yang, 
sorry, and Abada, of course, is out the picture as well. Yang was the guy who sparked a lot of the the positive attacks against Malo. He came out of that one with real plaudits. Him and you know Ida were making the headlines. I think he's got to be a start on that right hand side. He linked up particularly well with Alistair Johnson. So I'd say it's him out there. I'd say it's Adam Ida uh, through the middle. What's on the left? I was very critical of Dyson Maeda, and I don't like being critical of any Celtic player if I can avoid it. But I thought he, he gave you exactly what you expect from Dyson Maeda. Incredible work rate, you know, real energy, a really good teammate, but also just a very clear and obvious lack of technical ability. The one where he's he's gone for the diving header, he could have let that hit off any part of his body, and that goes in. You could have just bundled that over the line. I don't know why he goes to ground and and diving headers. And then there's a fairly decent chance five minutes after it, where I think it's, is it Johnson again that cuts it across to him? And he's more central, it's on the deck, and he, and he blazes it over the bar. And again, I know it's all easier said than done, but all you need to do is hit target there, and there's very little chance your, your goalie's saving it. What do you think, Joe, about Dyson Maeda and about that, that left-wing position at the moment? He does split a lot of opinions, Maeda. Um, given, as you say, technically he's not He's definitely not well-rounded. Um, he makes up for... I mean, I, I say this to my pals and they laugh, but if Maida had any technical ability, it would be far too good for us. It, it would be it would be far too, It would be levels above us. Um, as with, with Sunday, look, the, the bad misses, the first one has a bad miss, as you say. I, he, could, he didn't need to open his body up for that header. All he needs to do is, and again, easier said than done, but he's not actually need to change his body. The, the power on the balls come for Johnson. All he just needs to do is sort of let a hat off him. I thought the second one he was unlucky because I actually thought it was a great run. Um, and get, looking at the other wingers that we have, if that is the way that we're going to play, because let's face it, I mean, with three goals from crosses from our fullbacks, you're reliant on somebody making great runs in the box or the position to be good. I know Palmer scores the third goal, but at that point, from a Motherwell perspective, the chips are down. Maida's movement is a lot better. Um, and I think given that we've not really created a lot of chances over the last few weeks, that perhaps there is going to be an element of we're going to be a bit rusted in front of the goal. Um, so I definitely think that persevering with Maida is probably the best option for now. Um, as with Yang, I mean, he is a bit rusty in terms of final ball. I mean, as, as much as it was a good influence in the game Sunday, there's still times where he's misplacing four or five yard passes where Really, especially in the round 18-yard box when there's a chance of maybe opening up Mullable that your technical ability that in that area of the pitch needs to be absolutely flawless or else, you know, there's just going to be absolutely no hope for us. So I definitely th- I think Yang earns his start, um, given especially how, you know, invisible Kuhn was and has been since he signed. I definitely mm-hmm. think Yang, is, Yang needs to start out wide, as does Maida. Yeah, do you know, s- such is the, the poor impact that Nicholas Kuhn has had. I forgot to mention him in my list of wingers there. Um, maybe that's more on me than Nicholas Kuhn, but he's he's not impressed, Joe. He may, we may revisit these types of recordings in months and years to come, but right now, right here, right now, he's not doing it for Celtic. And we're in a position where you need all, or at least the majority of your players firing on all cylinders. We're, going into a, we're not going into, we're in the midst of a really crucial uh, stage of the season. A couple of comments coming in. George, uh, George Barr, good friend of the show. George has mentioned that Maeda's crying out for a rest. And the comment just before him from RL77, 
is that McGregor needs rested. I would agree with that to a huge extent, but you're in this um, this, this stage of the campaign where you can't afford to be resting anybody. You know, th- these guys are, you know, finely tuned athletes. They're looked after in terms of sports science, and sometimes a, a break can be refreshing, you know, just to take guys out the firing line and spell them in and out. But ultimately, if Brendan Rodgers deems McGregor a must for any game, which he will do more often than not, and Maeda, what we've seen from Brendan Rodgers since he returned to the club is that when he is fit, Dyes Maeda has started every game. He doesn't take places in the bench unless there's an injury or just coming back from an Asian Cup or anything like that. I don't see that pattern changing tomorrow. And, and you could then debate that you're at home to a Dundee side who aren't going to come out and attack you. They're not going to come all guns blazing. So do you need Dyes and Maeda's defensive qualities or do you need someone there that can unlock a defence? You know, and, and that's the question. I'd be very confident with Yang doing it on one side. I'm less confident with, with Maeda on the other. And as I say, I, I don't take any joy in, in criticising the guy who's been brilliant for Celtic. I had a wee debate with a lad, Sean, uh, good lad, uh, the other day who was talking about the impact that Dyson Maeda has had on this side and, and what he brought to Celtic's treble one inside last year. I totally agree. I totally accept that. And I think he's been very good. I just think you need to, to live for the here and now. Celtic are kind of in a position, Joe, where we're going game to game. You know, it's that precarious at this moment in time and it brings pressure on Brendan Rodgers to get these calls right tomorrow night. Yeah, but I think tomorrow becomes a point where we don't change and it's when we start to develop a bit more consistency. Um, now, I think given that Greg Taylor, Greg Taylor's now back from, uh, it seems to be that he's deemed fully fit. Um, he's got obviously injury concerns because as much as he was back against Kilmarnock, he gets up after 70 minutes. That for me is a big sign that we've, that's a big stability in our team, having Greg Taylor there. Carter Vickers is the same. From then on, we've got foundations to sort of build a solid team, a solid starting eleven every week, where, you know, touch wood that no injuries were to happen to any other key players. But I think starting my, I mean, Motherwell were going to sit, they pressed slightly, but I mean, they were still relatively defensive against us. They weren't, they weren't coming out flying out the traps against us, really. Maida's going to... If that's the case, if we can only play Maida, really, you know, maybe away, away to Aberdeen, Hibs or Hearts, or against Rangers in Europe, then it, it, needs, to, it, it needs to play because it, it has been good in other games. Uh, maybe not, not necessarily this season, but under Angie was definitely making an impact when he wasn't playing against the so-called bigger teams where we've got a bit more space of playing in behind. So I think there's yeah. definitely... A, complain. I wish I'd uh, taken a note of the stats. I think it was there's an account on Twitter, is it inside the SPFL or something like that and it showed Celtic's um, goal contributions, the players that made the key goal contributions in Ange season one, Ange season two and the season we're in and Maeda's numbers have dropped off a cliff so you jot an Abada, Kyogo with, with really high numbers and Maeda was can I just be up behind that front pack with something like 15 or 18 goal contributions, so that's goals and assists. This season, it's particularly low. It's certainly single figures. I don't want to quote it right now in case I'm particularly wrong, but it's it's low by his own standards. But you make a good point, Joe. He's capable. We've seen it before in a Celtic shirt. He's got it in his locker. He did blaze one really dangerous ball across the face of goal in that second half. I think it was Yang that came onto it at the back post and couldn't quite get enough to divert it on goal. So he's absolutely got it. I was at a game recently. I was at the Hibs game. And me and my mate Paul were watching the warm-up. Um, 
I was going to say pre-match, which is when all warm-ups generally take place. And he found himself working with one of the coaches just on the left-hand side. And all he was doing was the coach was playing him into the corner and he was whipping it with his left foot across goal, whipping it, whipping it, whipping it. He'd done it a number of times. And then went into the game and one of the first things he'd done was shank a ball out with his left foot as we attacked Hibs. It's a mindset thing for Dyson Maida. Of course, he's got the ability. He's a professional footballer. He's a talented guy. You know, you don't make it. He scored a goal at a World Cup, Joe. It's a hell of a sight more than you or I are ever going to do. And he gets, he still gets criticised because, he, you know, he, he confuses at different times. But he has the ability to flash these balls across goal. And he scored, he scored a couple of brown goals against Hibs just, you know, as they spring to mind. But he needs to bring that, and they all need to bring it on a consistent basis. That that's a real challenge. Uh, generally speaking, I'm a huge fan of Maeda. But now's the time, Joe. You know we can't look at what's been and oh that was great. We won a couple of titles under Ange. We've now got another title to win under Brendan Rodgers, and it's up to guys like Maeda and, and various others to step up. Joe, I'm going to challenge you on your knowledge of Dundee because mine's isn't great. They're currently in sixth place, which is pretty impressive for them. Um, Tony Doherty has taken over there. Obviously, he's been long-term number two to Derek McInnes at Aberdeen, and I think he did follow him to Kamarnock initially. He's doing a really good job. I don't think Dundee will have expected to be in that lofty position. Generally speaking, they would be hoping to finish somewhere around about ninth or 10th, if truth be told, and there's still a, a way to go, of course. But to be sitting in sixth place with, what, 11, 12 games to go for them, it's pretty impressive. What are you expecting from them at Celtic Park tomorrow? Um... So I wasn't actually at the game we played against them at home. I, I don't know what it was, but I, was, I wasn't at a game, the game at home against them. Um, so I, I don't have a lot to say about them from playing against them at Celtic Park. The game in Boxing Day was really tricky. Um, whether that was down to how well, badly we were playing or you know how well they were playing, it sort of remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, they've been playing well. Uh, picked up a lot of good results. Um, lost at Hibs at the weekend, which, you know, Sometimes could happen, but they definitely have. You know, I think they've built up a lot better squads by from reading stuff in the press that the actual strength and depth for a team with Dundee's size and possibly budget is actually pretty good. And the manager was quite pleased with that. Um, so yeah, the punching well above the weight for a team that have been considered really a yo-yo team. You know, in the past that has been them, Partick Thistle, Ross County have sort of jump between the leagues for a lot of years. Um so definitely definitely punching above their weight. They're in the top six and you know it's it's gonna be a hard game because they need to they need to pick up points as well to sort of keep in contention with the uh, top six. Hibs are sort of breathing down on it or Hibs are there or thereabouts. Um St Mirren are there or thereabouts. They want to be in that top six and there's not a lot of games really now until the split. So it's gonna be they're gonna make it absolutely they're gonna make it really hard for us. Um so, yeah, I, I definitely know, think it'll be a tricky game. Yeah, you know, they certainly won't have planned for top six at the start of the season. But now, as I say, so they've played 26 of their games. At this stage, now that they do find themselves in that position, they must re- realign, reset their targets and say, right, this has got to be the move. Uh, there won't be many opportunities for a side like Dundee um, to finish in top six and, and whatever that may bring. And actually, with a bit of luck, you can end up top four and some European stuff. So there's a, a real kind of, Huge goal for them if they want to really kick on. They You'll hear guys like uh, Tony Dock and others speaking after a game against Celtic or Rangers and say, we won't be judged on these games. These games aren't the ones where we you know, live or die and all that kind of stuff. But he'll be telling these players a different thing, and, and rightly so. They've got a couple of players at Celtic, Balbeth, Moirworth. They've got a decent 
wide left player, a guy called Luke McCown. They've got a boy, Scott Tiffany, up top, maybe ex Thistle, I think. Uh, Joe Shaughnessy at the back, very experienced. But I think a lot of Celtic fans, Joe, will be paying close attention to Owen Beck, who finds himself at left back again, having returned for a second loan spell from Liverpool. What's your thoughts on him? Is he a guy that Celtic should have and maybe should still be pursuing? Um, I mean, I, would, I don't, as much as left-back area is a concern, I'd say it's more of a concern for us, given how poorly Burnaby has been or how unreliable Burnaby is. I, I don't I don't always understand the full slander towards Greg Taylor, because I think Greg Taylor's got a lot to offer, and he's, he's clearly made a difference in the team when he's been playing, and it's more noticeable when he's not playing. But on bet, yeah, I think that he's someone from the little that I've seen it, of him, if I'm being honest, I've only really seen him in a couple of games against Celtic highlights wise. He does look a threat, he looks quite fresh, a good guy that's got a good bit of pace. He's Liverpool's books, so he must be very talented or very valued in some regard uh, by Liverpool. Um, and the fact that they were willing to recall him, albeit the, the bit of an injury crisis, Liverpool, the fact that he's even making their squads in the first place is something. You know, it's very you know respectable in that front. So, I think he's something that will definitely be keeping a close eye out on. I definitely will be now, given the full you know carry on that happened in January. I, I think definitely will be in people's radar, Celtic fans especially. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see. I, I I'd like to. I'm looking forward to see what he has to offer. Um, and especially if you're that good a player, you need to be clearly making a difference for Dundee. You can't blend in a game like this um, if you want to prove that you're, you know, worth what people are making out. You're, you know, you're worth what everyone is making out you to be. You need to step up. So I'm interested to see what he has tomorrow. It'll be uh, see if he can make an impact. Yeah, and he finds himself up against a, an on-form or a potentially on-form Yang. It's going to be an interesting match up there. Uh, and we'll pay close attention. Joe, we're in a, a relatively unique situation tomorrow night where Celtic and Rangers kick off at the same time. It's it's not something we see often. You know, one usually plays on the Saturday, one on the Sunday, uh, and whatever else. But both games at 7.45 uh, kick-off. Celtic are home with Dundee, of course. Rangers are way to Kilmarnock. So, any kind of thoughts on the potential there? We can't control what Rangers do. In fact, we, you and I, can't control what Celtic do either. But any thoughts on, on what may be happening across the city in fact, sorry, it's down at Rugby Park, isn't it? And on what Celtic will go on to do, what do you think the scoreline will be as well? So do you mean what do you think the scoreline will be at Rugby Park? Or what do, you do you know what? There was a whole lot in that question. I'll rephrase. How do you think things will go at Rugby Park? How do you think things will go at Celtic Park? Rugby Park, in all honesty, I'm not overly interested. Um, I don't think it really matters. I think it's all about what we do. Um, as much as we're not going to, we're obviously relying on a result there to get us top of the table. It's only February, March. We need to keep winning regardless. I think that needs to be the mindset. I'm under no illusion that Brendan Rodgers will have that mindset in them as well. I'm probably under the illusion that Rangers will try and have that mindset as well. That we, it's all about what each team do, and they need to win every game regardless. So there'll be a lot of live score notifications on. Um, I'd imagine. Uh, Celtic part tomorrow night just to keep an eye out on things. Do you know what? If we win, that's all that matters to me. Uh, and whatever happens elsewhere is a bonus. So I think tomorrow, I think we'll be... I'm optimistic that we keep that form going from the second half on Sunday. So I'm going to say 3-0. 
very optimistic, but I'm going to say 3 0. And at Rugby Park, we'll go what you want each. 90, 90 you you know, you, you say that a lot of folk will have the live score notifications on. I wouldn't have won them. I can't remember the last time I got a signal of any nature at Celtic Park. It just it, it doesn't work for me at all. So I'll need to check in with somebody near me. But yeah, people will be play, paying a close eye. I think it'd be foolish or naive not to. You know, the, the focus for the most part, of course, will be on what Celtic's doing. But you, you want to be aware of, of what's going on elsewhere. I think Celtic will... Um, step up and, and 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 extend what they've done in the second half against Muddle. I think we'll see 4-0 Celtic. I think now's the time when we need to see something like that, Joe. We had um, a good discussion with Miff, Paddy and Asim on the weekly show last night. And Asim is saying it's not just about the win for him. He wants to see a performance and he wants to see goals. There is every possibility this title could go down to goal difference. And with every respect to Dundee, a home game against them is, is where Celtic need to step up. What we'll do, apologies to the various folk in the comments that we've not been able to get back to, but thanks as always for chipping in. We've got Robert McKeown, JJI, Northampton, Tim, uh, George, Gypsy King, loads of guys in, in Feed the Bear, and thanks to everyone that, that chips in and continues to do so. But Joe, I'll come to you for your final thoughts ahead of this one. Sorry to be again, Timo. I just... <laughs> I'm at jumping there. Sorry, were you, were you busy? I'm just asking just your final thoughts, Joe, ahead of the oh, game. Um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, after with uh, Sunday, I thought I was optimistic about the second half performance. As I say, we've got key players coming back in their defensive areas, and Adam Eder coming on making a real impact. When maybe when he signed at first, it wasn't an over. It wasn't a very exciting Hollywood signing that we were maybe naively expecting. Um, but definitely looking forward to Wednesday. I, I think it will be a really big lift if we can win comfortably. Um, but I'm honestly really concerned. With, I, I want a good performance. I don't want a 1 0. I want a win and a performance to match it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel the same, Joe. But I think it's one to look forward to with a bit of optimism given what we've seen second half at Far Park. We've got a busy week going on just now. So, as I mentioned there a few times, we had the weekly show last night. That's available now wherever you get your podcasts. We're obviously doing now the counter to kickoff ahead of the Dundee game. We'll then be doing the, the final whistle show. That won't be coming out until Thursday. So game finishes late on Wednesday night. We'll have that on Thursday. But in between times, we'll be continuing with our CSC Stories series. So I spoke to Sean Kelly from the Detroit CSC, and that'll be available around about 2 o'clock uh, on Wednesday tomorrow. So lots of stuff going on. But thanks, as always, for the support, whether you watch us on the live or if you listen to the podcast. We'll see you again on Thursday, as I say, for the follow-up. In the meantime, hopefully Celtic can get a big three points. Joe, thanks for joining us. We'll see you all again soon. Podcast Network.